Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Get his bell away? Now, Charlie. Charlie. Welcome to Suplexes and Cervezas with Chavo Guerrero Jr. I'm your host. Chavo Guerrero Jr. I mean, so, dude, were you, you grew up in SoCal, right? Uh, born in San Diego, grew up in, um, let's see, I lived everywhere. I lived in San Diego, Baldwin Park, Corona, Riverside, uh, Whittier, Burbank. I'm leaving something out in there somewhere. And now I'm in Long Beach. Now, you were, I was looking, just kind of doing some research. Did you live in Santa Ana for a little bit too? Uh, I got family in Santa Ana, and I spent a lot of time there on the off, off of Euclid. So, I mean, you know, even if I didn't sleep there, I spent a lot of time there. So Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. It's like we grew, I grew up in Southern California, too, but, you know, my family was in El Paso. So, of course, it's like I grew up in El Paso, too. But I grew up in Fountain Valley, bro. So, I, I, I grew up on New, New Hope and, like, Heil. Okay. And yeah, see, so. I spent so much time in El Paso. People think I'm from El Paso. So really? Park Mall or, you know, the east, uh, all the razas on the east side and all the people with a little bit of money are, <laughs> are on the west side. West side. Yeah, we got to get some Chico's Tacos, bro. Oh, bro. You know, my, my new favorite place in El Paso is a place called uh, Cristosomos. Hmm. Like a breakfast Mexican spot. Uh, it's the only place I've ever seen that has a drive-thru for semi-trucks. Like literally... Yeah. You can pull into the drive-thru, and then when you're inside the, the restaurant, you can see that they walk up a flight of stairs to hand the food to the to the driver. It's pretty cool. That's cool, man. I got to check that out. We used to go to, like, the Good Luck Cafe and, uh, you know, uh, of course, Whataburger. You know, late night, we'd be at um, you know, Village Inn. <laughs> Village Inn in El Paso is the only place you can find Menudo. Because I tried looking for Menudo at the Village Inn in, uh, in Colorado, and they're yeah. like, uh, what is that? And I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm in Kansas anymore. Yeah. Min- Minato? Minato? It broke up. <laughs> what is it? It's it's cow's stomach? No, we don't have that here. <laughs> Mexican fear factor. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Were you uh, growing up? Now, you're youngest, right? Youngest in the family? I'm the last of six. Um, up until I, I re-met my dad a few years ago and he told me I had two sisters. 
so I guess I'm there's yeah so there's two sisters uh, that are that are under me uh, that are living in Mexico that I've never met <laughs> typical Mexican family bro my mom had five five other kids with uh, was you know someone else and then uh, met my dad and then I showed up and then you know uh, my dad was a mariachi so you know he went on the road you know, I mean, now that I'm older and I realize, okay, I've been through the road and I, I, I have a different respect and understanding for my dad versus when I was a kid, I didn't get it. But now I'm like, you know what? I, I think my mom was the crazy one. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, bro. Like same thing, but like now being in, you know, was a wrestler for so long. Now I understood my dad being on the road and stuff. No wonder he was insane all the time. You know, it, it would have been so easy for us to be like, uh, yes, yeah, by the way, son, this is your brother, you know, because <laughs> knowing my dad, oh, dude. And it's funny because every time I go to Mexico, you know, because everybody's related there, right? So everybody's like, oh, this is your cousin here. I'm like, my cousin? She's 40. I've never met her before. What the hell? <laughs> oh, the scariest one is when you when you meet someone and you're like, hey, what's up? And then they're like, it's the prima. And you're like, oh, shit. Uh, yeah, bad. Where's your church at? Where's your church at? I got to go get this off. <laughs> um, First cousin, or how far removed are we? <laughs> yeah, I've done that before. But you, uh, were you funny as a kid growing no. up? Were you, was that your thing? No, I was actually very serious, very quiet. Um, I didn't come out of my shell until I was, uh, I don't know what. I, I did a school talent show when I was 10, maybe 11, 10, 11 years old. Uh, and no one knew that I could do that. No one knew that I had the ability to go and do voices and characters and, and just be silly. And, and that's what I did at, at the age of 10. I was doing impressions, not knowing I was actually doing stand-up because the, the goal was, let me just do some characters. And then uh, I did the talent show again the following year, but it's not like I was a class clown or the loud one or the one that needed attention. I mean, I've always needed attention, but uh, I was only able to get it when I got on stage. So, you know, I turn it on when I get up there. When I'm off stage, anybody that hangs out with me will tell you. I'm pretty quiet, pretty reserved. Uh, I will get loud if the opportunity presents itself, but I'm not trying to be that guy who's always on because that's tiring. Yeah, that's true, though, because I've been around you different times, and, I, and you're just kind of normal, dude. You're not, like, you know, making me laugh and shit. I'm like, this motherfucker's not even funny, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. Uh, so you went on stage, and... No one even knew you could do this stuff, huh? No, man. I, and it's a, it was a surprise to my uh, to my mom as well because she had no idea. It wasn't like I was at home doing any of this stuff. You know, and my mom never thought I was funny. She knew I was funny because, you know, there was a car. There was a house. There was nice clothes. There was, you know, there, she saw like, no, clearly he's doing something and it's not drogas because I would have done it by now. Because he's not giving me any. <laughs> but, uh... You know, it was just one of those things that, like, I, I enjoyed it, but I was very selective about when I did it. That's why, the reason I asked is because I'm, like, even though I'm the oldest of, like, my me and my sister, but, you know, next to Eddie and everybody else, I was the youngest, you know, was the young, me and Eddie were both, uh, we called ourselves the, both the mistake kids because my, he was my grandfather's uh, late mistake and I was my dad's early mistake. So we were both not supposed to be here. Nice. Yeah, but we were, you know, for me to get attention, you know, was, you know, always trying to make people laugh and make him laugh. And, you know, I'd rather make him laugh than have him kick my ass. So. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. You always use humor for defense. Yeah, yeah. When did you go into, uh, into stand-up? 
Uh, let's see. Uh, I, I call my official start date April April tenth, nineteen ninety seven. So it's been about twenty three years. Nineteen ninety seven. Wow, because I started uh, pro wrestling like full time with WCW right around the same time, like in the May ninety six or something like that. So right about the same time. <clears throat> see, I, I know that uh, after twenty three years, like man, you know, all the time spent at airports and going here, going there, you know, like I have little, little pains on my neck, little pains in my back, little pains in my knees, but that's just from life. I can only imagine what, what you must feel like on a day-to-day -day basis after uh, the 10 million bumps you've taken over the years. Cause oh, I, I sleep wrong and I'm like, I, my life is over. And, and man, you, you man, I've seen some of your matches where I'm like, Oh my God, how is he okay? Yeah, you know what? I think what saved us is that we weren't 300 pounds. If we were, you know, six foot eight, 300 pounds, then we would be all messed up. But we were little guys, you know, the Guerreros were always, you know, cruiserweight style, if you want to call it. Um, you know, even at our biggest, you know, like I was probably, you know, two, 210, you know, Eddie was 212, 215, you know, so we weren't huge, huge guys, but, you know, we were able to fit into a, you know, um, a airline seat and stuff. So, I think that's what saved us. I mean, I've got a lot of bumps and bruises, don't get me wrong, but as I get older and I'm not getting punched in the face, I'm feeling better. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> you know? Were you a, a wrestling kid, as, a wrestling fan as a kid? And uh, let me see, uh, 1987. Yeah, so uh, since uh, since WrestleMania three, that's that's when I got in, uh, you know, got on board. Oh, the big one with uh, with Andre and Hulk Hogan. I think that hooked most most people back then was that that particular uh, mania because you know I had to go back and watch one and two and then of course you know uh, Starcade and you know it wasn't until I started really going hard and then you realize oh shoot there's a whole nother you know there's something that's not WWF at the time that's happening over here what is that you know it's on this different channel and then that's when you start and then uh, if you stayed up late enough then you can catch like those AWA matches on a at one or two o'clock in the morning you're like wait a minute this guy was just on this channel now he's on this channel and so it's like you know, you go down that rabbit hole, and that's before the internet. So, yeah, I was a huge, huge fan since uh, way back when. I always yeah, wanted to believe it or not. Uh, really? All it took was me getting thrown on the ground one time really hard for me to realize I cannot handle pain. And, uh, yeah, I'm better off telling these jokes. <laughs> that's funny. It's, you know, though, you get so used to it. It's like one of those things that, you know, it's, people ask, does it hurt? It'd be like, the first time I – if. I was playing pro football and Ray Lewis hit me. I'd have been like, oh my God, I'm going to die. But if you're doing it all the time, you're like, okay, whatever. You get used to it. Uh, that's funny, man. That's. I've always heard this term ring rust. Uh, I guess if oh, you're yeah. a and then you try to get back in and you're like, whoa, oh shoot. Okay. That didn't used to hurt. Yeah, no, that happens a lot. You know, you get your timings off when you're in the ring. And if you haven't been in for a while, ring rust, you absolutely will be like, um, you know, like your step off and then, you know, you bump and you're like, okay, I feel okay. In the morning, you're like, uh, my neck, I can't move. I always wonder how, uh, how someone like Taker would do it. Cause it's like, dude, it's like, it's been a year, you know? Cause like these last few years, it's just been like, oh, and then come in and go full steam. It's like, mm. yeah, he's a phenom, bro. He's, he's like a, um, he's like a different, different, a different breed. You know, he was, uh, you know, he's six foot 11, you know? And for six foot ten, whatever he is, and but for, to do it for as long as he did, and he's been the, the man for so long, and that he'll leave for a year and come back for a year. And I don't care how much training you do, you know, 
it's not the same being in the ring and getting, you know, thrown up by Brock Lesnar and stuff. Yeah, it's crazy, bro. That's that he's he's definitely, you know, I saw him one time. He, he had like really, really bad flu before coronavirus and shit. So he had the bad flu, like super sick. And he went out there and it was a big match for like a, a you know, Raw or SmackDown or something. And he wrestled and I couldn't believe he was wrestling. He had an IV before and everything. And when he got done, he uh, he was walking after his his entry, his, you know, his exit and stuff and taker stuff. He walked through the curtain and collapsed. Uh. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, oh, man, that's that's why he's he's the man, you know. I've always thought that, uh, you know, and I, and I know I feel it, too. When the light's on, when the light's on, you know, it, it kind of does something to the pain. It does something to whatever's going on. And it's not till you go backstage and you're like, oh. Oh, yeah, bro. That's the same thing. You know, that red light comes on. You just you turn it up. You become somebody else. Right? Yeah. I've lost my voice and gone out. And for some reason, it shows up when I get out there. That's yeah. a, you know, just like, uh, and then to still go out there and find a way to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. I first met you when we were at, um, it was a WrestleMania. And it was like the day after. We were all checking out of the, uh, out of the hotel. And I was with Alberto Del Rio. I don't know if you remember. So we're sitting there and we're just tired, you know, we're checking out of the hotel and we're like, it's been, you know, a week of WrestleMania shenanigans and stuff. And, you know, we were, you know, enjoying every part, every part of it and going out and stuff. So we were just tired, bro. And we were like, you know, checking out. And then all of a sudden you come over and you go say hi to us. And I thought you were just like a fan, right? You know, so you're like, um, yeah. hey, and I'm like, hey, what's up, bro? I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> That's funny. I a good streak myself of like, I want to say like seven or eight manias that I got to go to. I would, I would have purposely uh, block it out of my calendar and my agents would always get upset. You're like, well, I got a great gig for you that week. I'm sorry, I'm going to mania. Uh, I'm trying to remember which one it was because I, I remember the two of you together. So, I mean, shoot, it, I don't know if it was Orlando, if it was Houston. Uh, I don't yeah. You know? I think it was like maybe Houston right before Orlando. I think so because because the one in Orlando, he, uh, I had left the year before. I think Houston was the year before. That was my last one, and um, so that he was getting married like right before WrestleMania in Orlando. So he invites me down. He's like, I'm I'm in his wedding and stuff. So I go, okay, you know. So we, uh, I fly in, and I wasn't paying attention to wrestling right at the time. Nothing. I fly in. And everybody, it was like, hey, Chavo, what's up? Hey, all right, there's a lot of fans here. I'm getting recognized. And they're like, are you here for WrestleMania? I'm like, is it this weekend? They're like, yeah, it's here. I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, my God. You're like, yeah. I look yeah. A little <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know, bro. Uh, you, when you became, when you started, uh, let me start again. When you started uh, your comedic career, I was reading that you, um, you got evicted, you lost your car, whole shebang, huh? Uh, yeah, uh, let me see. At the time, I had a really, really good job. I had a job working for a cell phone company called LA Cellular, which eventually became AT&T. And I was selling cell phones back when it was, man, it was, you were making money. Because, uh, you know, you'd make money off the, off the sale of the phone and commissions and stuff like that, depending on what plan you put people on. So I was clearing, you got to figure, 1997, I was clearing 5K a month. And, wow. you know, now it's still a lot of money. But back then, 
And for a 20 year old, are you kidding me? I, I was, I was rich. My mom was like, Nico, you made it. The Guinness PPO. I was like, well, you're good. You got insurance. You got the good one. I'm like, you know, and when you're that young, you don't care about insurance. You don't care about a, a good medical plan because you feel indestructible. It's not until, you know, you get in your late thirties, forties, fifties that you're like, yeah, let me make sure that my plan is up to date. Cause you never know. But uh, yeah, back then I, I, I was working the day job and then at night I would go and do my shows. And then I was basically burning the candle at both ends. And so when I'd get to work in the morning, I was exhausted and I was just, you know, I was done. I, all I was thinking about was going out that night to go perform and go do a show. And even if I wasn't making any money, I just wanted to go do it because I loved it so much. And eventually I just said, you know what? I'm going to take a chance. And uh, I thought I had saved up enough money. I'm good till the end of the year. And so I quit the day job. And my mom and everybody was furious and I went through that money so fast. I was really, I didn't, I, I didn't know what I was doing as far as like setting aside money and you need this much for rent, you need this much for utilities. And I was really bad. I was just like, I, you know, more like looking at it like, like Scrooge McDuck back in the day. Like, let me just look at this pile of money. Yeah, I think it's enough. Um, and I ran out of cash and nobody wanted to help because they said, you need to go back to work. And I'm like, I'm not going back to work. I'm gonna do this comedy thing. Next thing you know, here comes the slip on the door. My, my roommate's like, bro, go back and get your job. And so he convinced me to get a job for the sake of paying the rent. But I didn't want to go back to my, my, my full-time job. So I got a, a part-time job as a day laborer. I was digging ditches. I had met this contractor at the place where I was working at. And he wanted me to be a contractor, one of his contractors, because I was bilingual. And uh, I said, hey, man, can you give me a temporary job? And he's like, well, I can put you through school. And I'm like, no, 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 just something to make some quick cash. And he's like, all I have is digging ditches. Uh, I don't think you want to do that. Next thing you know, man, I'm out there getting blisters, digging ditches with these, uh, with these compas, <laughs> with my paisas out there. And they'd give me, they'd give me shit. They're like, ¿Hablas inglés? I go, sí, sí, hablo inglés. ¿Por, por qué chingas andas aquí? Uh, you know, I'm just trying to make some cash. Estás pendejo, cabrón. Ordenanos una pizza, tú que hablas inglés. I'm like, okay, I'll order your pizza since I speak English. And uh, I did that for a little while. And it was just one of those things where I got enough cash, paid my rent, but then I just, I quit that one too. And uh, got evicted. My repo guy was looking for the car. I wound up sleeping on my brother's balcony. Then my sister took me in and I, I rode her couch for two years until I started making enough money to pay the rent. But yeah, I had, I had my, my time where I had to hide the car. You know, or let a friend borrow the car. Let me borrow their car, and I did that game for a minute. That's about you. That you made it. This is this is it. I made it. I can sleep on my on my my sister's couch. The goal was to put the day job. Five k, dude. Five k a week, especially for that young. Oh, that's huge. A month. Yeah, not a week. Uh, I mean, a month. Five k a week. Five <laughs> k a month. So I was making about about two two k a month bartending and I, I thought I was rich. I was like, Oh man, I got it, man. I'm, I'm all right. I got this money, you know? And cause what, it, what I had rent, I, you know, I had a little, a little car payment, small car payment. And I had, uh, you know, Taco Bell money and beer money. That's it. That's all I needed. Yeah. You, you know? simplify life. And I'm like, that's what I, I was like. Okay. I only need this much money and I'm, I'm good. But who knew? Yeah, so then when I started with WCW, I got um, uh, I signed for like eighty five thousand dollars. I was like, "Oh my God, I am freaking rich!" 
but then I didn't take in consideration that we had to pay our own road expenses, you know, my taxes, all that stuff. So 85 turned into like 35 real fast, you know, but when I started, they back paid me like, um, you know, for my first match, they back paid me like, you know, two months or whatever it was. So I got an $8,000 check and I didn't even have a bank account at the time because I had left uh, California to El Paso and left El Paso because they wanted me to, to move to Atlanta. So I just went and cashed it. So I had $8,000 in cash in a sock in my drawer. <laughs> and bro, I was like 8,000, like same thing. I was like, oh, let me go out to that. Mm, let me grab this much stack and just walk out. That 8,000 was gone. I mean, in, and I didn't spend on anything. I spent it on, on going out and beer and food. That's all I spent it on. I didn't buy anything. I didn't put anything away, nothing. Hey, well, at least you spent it on experiences. That's what everyone says. You know, it's more gratifying when you spend it on an experience, even if you don't remember it, because clearly it was a good time. Oh, yeah. It was it was good times for sure, man. You And I'm a huge Family Guy fan. You voiced, like, a few characters on that, right? I did an episode where I played three Mexicans. They got me for three. For so three? One pay? Like, one pay? Three, Mex three Mexicans? They got me like that, too. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> a three for one, <laughs> a three for one deal. It was like uh, a family, right? You played. It was. It was an episode of Family Guy where Peter Griffin uh, discovered that he was Mexican and he went back to Mexico to find his true roots. And yeah, it, it was one of those. Uh, I got to work with with Seth and uh, and, and and Mila. It was, yeah. it was and Adam West who was in the episode. So I got to see firsthand, like being in the booth with everybody and. Seth is just, he's incredible, man. He's, he's so, so you're in the booth at the same time with those guys. Yeah. And normally that's not the case. Normally no, I have right. it's always you solo and then a, a director on the other side of the glass. But Seth is very hands-on. He's right there doing the baby, doing Peter, doing everybody right next to me. And I'm just like, oh my God. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm here to work. <laughs> but I'm geeking out the whole time. I think I would have been looking at, laughing at Seth and doing all his, his stuff. Adam Wesser, and then I would have been looking at Mila the whole time, like, <laughs> right? And that was, uh, that was back when she was on the 70s show. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy, dude, because I'm a huge, you know, Family Guy fan and American Dad, and, like, that's, that's, that's my, my jam right there. Uh, so when I read that, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that episode. Like, but there's so many episodes, you know, you kind of I bunch them together, you know, but... God, so that's awesome. That's um, that's a mark out moment for me, bro. Oh yeah, no, no, that's uh, that's that's one right there. Doing that one, and then uh, anything anything with Disney was always uh, a big deal, or uh, just any type of animation. You know, getting to work with some of these uh, companies just it's been really cool. So yeah. next uh, next to stand up, I love doing voiceover work. Yeah, you got a huge resume in that voiceover work, and then everything. Like I was looking at your IMDb, and I'm like, oh gosh, you've done everything. Want to hear about the new one? Yes. Uh, I'm going to be in the next uh, Space Jam uh, coming out next year with LeBron. Wow. No way. Get out of here. I can't say which character it is, but I'm pretty yeah, sure yeah. you're out right away. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. Good for you, man. That's, that's awesome. LeBron, who's LeBron? <laughs> Just kidding. That's, that's awesome, bro. Gosh, dang, that's massive. Good for you, man. I, do, I, I tell you what, I'm always one of those guys that I love it when, when – my homies make it you know you know how to get, get those people that are kind of like you know they they see you doing stuff and they're kind of like like jealous and, this guy got no talent i remember this guy i'm a guy when i see my, my boys that make it and they're actually doing stuff i'm like 
it's like me doing it. Like, yes, that's awesome, bro. But there's part of you that's like, man, really? <laughs> no, man, I'm not like that, dude. I don't, I, 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 my friend, I'm just, there certain times I'm just like, really? All right. <laughs> well, if I had to be anybody, I'm glad it's him. Well, it, it may be in the same, in the same industry, maybe. Like if it was wrestling style or something, I'd see this bike, I'm better than that guy. Okay, I get it like that. But I can, right? You're in your, in your world you know, versus uh, having friends that are like a, a writer or having a friend that, uh, you know, he's uh, an athlete or something like that. And yeah, definitely all day. Yeah. Yeah. So when you are the, um, the last comic standing and you're, you know, you're doing good on that. Right. And then they, they, they kick you out. You tested positive. They kick you out. Right. <laughs> Corona back then. Yeah. The cabrona who got me out. Made history being the first Mexican ever deported off television. They, <laughs> they booted me off of NBC because I snuck in a cell phone. And everybody secret jokes from the outside world. But I'm like, I'm not trying to get jokes. Uh, I had just gotten a girlfriend and I was trying to keep tabs on her. I'm like, you know, they got me locked up on a ship for two weeks. And I'm like, no, nah, man, she's fine. I, I got to check on her. <laughs> some- I don't know. I'm sexting way. I'm sexting. <laughs> This is what happened. They caught me texting her and I was, I was not paying attention. And here comes a camera and the, the camera was right on me. And I'm just like, and I had my, uh, I had a phone on my lap and a pillow on top. And so I was just kind of like doing this number and I didn't notice the camera right here. Oh yeah. They got me red handed. What do you got there, Gabriel? Like, shit. <laughs> That's funny though, because if the camera put in my face right now, I'm kind of like, okay, whoa, you know, you notice it. But when you're on set and you're doing things, you got your, you know, you're mic'd up and you don't, you forget that they're there. You know, I'm going to the bathroom and talking and stuff and I'm still live. I'm like, oh shit, I'm still live. You made that mistake or, or you have that little earpiece in and the mic. Oh. And I've had people tell me while I'm in the bathroom, uh, yeah, I'm going offline so you can have privacy. And I'm like, oh shit, I forgot, you know, and then or sometimes you'll talk smack. You don't realize, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until it rips a chest hair out from when you do this. You're like, oh, shoot, that's right, that's right. <laughs> that's funny. I remember when you texted me one time and you're like, um, hey, bro, I'm doing this new show with, uh, with Kevin Nash. I don't really know him. How is he? And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's all right. He's just, you know, he's, when you get to know him, you get to know him. He's a little standoffish first, you know, and stuff. But when you get to know him, he's boys. And that turned out to be Magic Mike, bro. Yeah, yeah, who knew? I saw way more of Kevin Nash than I really wanted to. I found out what <laughs> I call him big sexy right there, right? So that, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, but in the beginning, man, he's very like, uh, and then he's so freaking tall. And so when you come by, you're like, hi. Uh, I, I, I geeked out more with, with him than I did over Channing Tatum or Matthew McConaughey, uh, director Steven Soderbergh. You know, it's all these big names, but I'm like, no, nah, I'm the wrestling dude. I'm talking to him. Yeah, he's a big guy, right? You don't know how you don't realize how big Kevin is, and then you get around him, you're like, "Gosh, dude!" Like every time I see him, I'm like, "Did you get taller? Are you still growing?" Yeah, and the guy is freaking ripped. Like he's always posting pictures online, uh, you know, of his workouts and stuff. And I'm, hey, I, my hat's off to him because uh, you know I'd see him and he's got his can of tuna or something, or he's he's on the set just always eating lean. Uh, the best part about craft services on Magic Mike was that. Everybody had to be in such good shape that nobody messed with anything on craft services. So I literally had an entire craft services just for me and the, and the, the camera people. 
they're all drinking, they're all eating tuna fish and, and lettuce and got a little brown rice, right? And you're like, okay, is this a, what's a wraps? Okay, give me you give me three wraps and pizzas. Okay, we're doing the pizzas. They had a special. Uh, they had a special uh, chef just for the cast that was uh, playing the the you know the dancers. And then every time um, we're getting ready to go on camera, everybody was backstage with the rubber bands, with the you know the flex bars, with everything. They're trying to get their pump right before they go on camera. And so I was like, oh man, you guys are you guys are stressing me out with all this working out. I'll be outside next to the truck." <laughs> That's how it is with wrestling, though. Too, we're always. You know, what you see on TV is not always how we look all the time. So right before, like, okay, you know, you know and then us being smaller guys, we're like, oh, we always got to get our pump on. So me and Eddie would always be doing our push-ups, you know, and your, the, the rubber band thingies and stuff and oil and shit. And then uh, then go out there, you know, trying to be all tall and <laughs> it never works. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean, bro. <laughs> Are you, hey, did you ever party at the the King Bar there in El Paso? Where was that? King Bar. I want to say it was on Mesa. The King Bar. I probably saw. You know, I used to work at Bombardiers. Bombardiers was over there by the by the college, um, off of um, how was it? Not Vicon, but it's over there by the by the right next to UTEP. Uh, but I used to work, I, I worked for 10 months, you know, so the Kings bar, I don't remember that, man. What was yeah, it? An old comic uh, friend from back in the day, he's no longer with us, uh, Freddie Soto from El Paso, Texas. He got mm. hangout. That was a big hangout spot, and he took me there one time, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> I would hang out there at this other place called Mavericks that was uh, close, it was more on the west side, but, uh, you know. that Bro, that... There's so many dive bars, like the old homie bars, the OG bars in in El Paso, bro. Uh, you ever been to the uh, the L and J by the graveyard? By the cemetery. Yeah, by the graveyard, bro. My dad used to hang out there, right? In little. Oh. Yeah, the little tiny square bar, and it's right. And it says right next to the cemetery, and literally next door was a cemetery, and it was this dive bar, and there was some OGs in that place, bro. One one time, me and my my dad, he I walk in, he I met him there, and I'm looking around, going, like you hang out here all the time, and you know everybody's like, hey Chavo, hey what's up to my dad, so he goes, hey, this guy right here, look, I want to introduce you to somebody. He was in my wedding. I said your wedding, like to my mom, <laughs> and he's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, he was in my wedding. So I go to to meet him, you know, and we're always I'm really nice until somebody you know, you know, tries me. So, yes. So I go to shake his hand and I shake his hand, but he grabs my hand and he pulls it closer to me, like, oh, like, like testing me, right? And I kind of got mad. And my dad looks at me and goes, no, not him, not him. And I'm like, why? Like, like, screw this guy. And he's like, no, he's, he's OG, bro. And I'm like, really? Like he gives me the gun sign, you know? And I'm like, okay, hey, bro, what's up, man? Yeah, take my hand. I'm sure your dad knew everybody, good or bad. Uh, El Paso is a small town, and you know everybody knows everybody's business, and uh, sometimes you know too much. Oh yeah, my dad he 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 knew that he knows he knew people for sure, man. He uh, the good and the bad, you know, and it depended what 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 mood Chavo was in, you know, Chavo Classic, because he was, uh, you know, he he grew up in the '80s, bro, '80s wrestling, and it was, you know, well the Wild West back then, you know, they they I don't know if they didn't know or just didn't listen, but you know, they didn't, you know, know that cocaine and steroids were all bad for you. 
So some of his OG friends, man, oh, especially in, in El Paso, bro. And I was like, like, this is your friends? I go, man, you should be like telling me not to hang out with like gang members and stuff, but you're the one hanging out with them. <laughs> like, Nico, I'm, I'm hanging out with them to keep them away from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> totally. Are you still uh, doing uh, DDP yoga? Man, I did, uh, I did DDP yoga for a little over a year. And I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I stopped, and that was just for me being a lazy ass. But if, if you, you know, and you don't pay me nothing to do it. You know DDP. It's like he, he can get in your face sometimes. But I'll tell you, his program does work. If you, if you do exactly what he tells you to do, the, you will get results. I had never been more flexible than I was when I did his program. And, uh, you know, I felt really good. But the problem is, is that I lost a hundred pounds and then I celebrated for two years. And then I found out where I left those hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was one of those, you know, and then he checks up on you. Cause he's not like, you know, not like a, a, a weight loss guru, like a Richard Simmons, where you just buy the thing and that's it. You know, you buy his program, he calls you to make sure you're doing it right. And then he follows up. And when you see his name pop up on the screen, like he knew when I was eating shit, I wasn't supposed to eat. You know, he called me and I'm in a drive through and I feel like I'm cheating. I feel like, oh, shit, is like, vieja, hey, get up, hey, go out the window. <laughs> I got to take this call. You can't be here. <laughs> Worst one was I was taping my food show in, um, in Atlanta. Okay, we were in Atlanta, right down the street from him. And anytime I go to Atlanta, I would always go visit and we'd hang out or whatever. And um, this food show, we're at this restaurant and it's all pancakes and excess. And look, at it's the, it's the triple quadruple decker pancake stack. And so we're, we're, we're right there, you know, we got camera crews and we're, and we're shooting the whole pancake scene. And I decided to go live on my Facebook to kind of, you know, it was one of those things like, hey, look, hey guys, this is what's going on. We're taping the show, blah, blah, blah. And one of his homies was following me on Facebook and then called him right away and said, hey, Fluffy's in town. And he's over at this place and he's eating pancakes. And he's like, what, bro? He hasn't called me. He didn't tell me he's here. And so next thing you know, him and his friends and their camera crew get in the car and they raced over to the restaurant where I was eating pancakes live on my Facebook. And he shows up with his camera crew through the door and my camera crew's there. And it looked like an episode of Cheaters, right? (laughs) He descended upon me like like Locust with with his crew and I'm eating pancakes. He's got me red-handed. Really, bro? Really, bro? You can't even call me and you hear, you know, eating. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I wound up making it to the episode, too. But, yeah, he's, he's intense. So to answer your question, if you, if, you, uh, if you do the program, it works. And if you don't do it and he finds out, DDP's going to find you. He's going to find uh, he's you. Like, he's like the mafia, bro. I can just imagine him because I, from knowing him from WCW so much, you know, his voice, you know, that DDP gimmick, that's him. Bro, bro, no, bro, what are you doing, bro? You know, just the way he talks, and I could just imagine him catching you, and you're like, uh, uh, what? <laughs> no, he, he's, so, he's so intense, and uh, his, I got I to gotta give it to him. His, his hustle is strong. Like, you know, he, he's all about business, and, he wants, and he's good at marketing, and he's good at self-promoting. I mean, he's, he's the total package when it comes to all of that, and he, he, and he you know, he doesn't just say it. He believes it. He lives it. So. Yeah. I, yeah, when we were in uh, WCW, he first started doing all the yoga stuff. He tried to get me, bro, come on, you got to do yoga. No, not like that, like this. Warrior pose, warrior pose. You know and I mean? Like, like, all right, bro, take it easy, man. It's so intense. <clears throat> but we used to laugh because he would go to 
back then there was uh, Kenny Rogers Roasters, right? Oh, no. that? Sorry, I got happy. Good as mac and cheese. <laughs> oh, bro, right? Kenny Rogers Roaster was good. You know, I love the Boston market too, but Kenny Rogers Roaster was, was boom, it was great. And we're in, in Atlanta when we were little, living there with WCW. So he would always drive, you know, through, you know, everybody knew DDP in town, you know, bro, bro, you know, because he's a big guy. He's tall. He's just, he's got a, a big personality, you know, and so everybody in Atlanta knew him. So he's, he goes to Kenny Rogers Roasters. And I guess it was a new person working there, working at the front. And he's like, yeah, uh, this is DDP. They're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> he's like, yeah, you know, he's in the drive-thru, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, uh, I want two chickens, two full chickens, deboned. And they're like, um, sir, we don't, we don't, um, we don't debone the chickens here for you. Bro, yeah, you do. <laughs> and the person's like, uh, uh, hold on a second. So next thing you know, you know, he comes through the you know, the drive-through. He's like, I better be deboned. So you got this person in the back going, motherfucker, deboning these chickens, fucking. <laughs> Taking him to a restaurant, it's always uh, it's always interesting because yeah, he'll ask them to do things. It's like uh. You know, or uh, what was it that he, he was known for? I want to say bringing his own oil for them to cook, cook it with this. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, he'd, he'd get them to prepare it. Like, especially now, he's so clean with his eating. Super, super clean. So he tells them exactly, you can't use that. You got to use this. Make sure you cook it like this. And don't give me that. And I'm like, wow. Oh yeah, that he was. He's but he's always kind of been like that. Like he knows what he wants, but he'd be in, um, you know, on the plane, you know. And he was always a lot older than us, you know. He always said like he was thirty-eight when he was wrestling. Bullshit. He was like, like forty, like forty-eight, you know, like fifty-two maybe, you know. When we were all young, you know, we were all like twenty-five and shit, you know. So, you know, we were there. We're banged up, but whatever, you know. We're just young, still got all the, you know, natural testosterone in our bodies and don't feel pain, you know. <clears throat> we're still invincible well we'd be on the plane and he'd be there and you know he'd have like five ice packs you know all over his body all the time and then he'd go to the the stewardess hey can you fill these up with ice and she's like i don't you know the flight attendant she's like i only have a certain amount of ice here i look i'm in first class i need these filled up can you see i'm in pain here you know so it's the using all of the ice for his ice packs you know and nobody else has got ice on on the plane and he's got all these ice packs all over him <laughs> yeah you know we, we should say that that was his, gonna be his merchandise you know like we all have t-shirts you know t-shirt chavo or you know the guerreros his merchandise was ice packs to say ddp on there <laughs> talk to me about your uh okay <clears throat> when i first we started knowing about you i didn't know that you had a vw bush fetish and now, dude, I see your, you know, Instagrams and all the different, you know, shows you're on here talking about these buses, man. How many do you have? Uh, a lot, probably. Because there's some that are here and there's some that are being restored. Yeah. Uh, so it's between the buses and the and the bugs, it's right around thirty. Wow. Just, just, dude, just storing those is a pain in the ass. You got to have your own warehouse just to store all that. And somebody to take care of them, you know? Take you outside for two seconds so you can see. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm going to mark out right now. Uh, I'm telling you, this is one of my dream cars, too, is, uh, we, you know, I grew up, we had a VW Bug growing up as a kid, but a uh, a bus, man, you know? Look, they're just, it's just carros. 
Altos. Oh, there's 21 window right there, bro. Yeah, so there's, yeah. Oh my God. So okay. I I, the whole building. I'm officially jealous right now, huge. Where, where, where are you at, Long Beach? Uh, yeah, LBC. Dude, I gotta come by and check those out, bro, because I'm, I'm a huge, huge mark about those. Huge fan. How did you get? How'd you get involved with? With uh, I mean, were you just always a fan, obviously, and just got some money now, and you're making more than five k a month, and say, you know what, I'm gonna start buying these. My first car was a Volkswagen Bus, and uh, it was just one of those things where you know many years had gone by since I had driven one, and uh, I hooked up with uh, with Jay Leno, and we we're hanging out, and he's telling me about you know he's got an incredible car collection. He's got like yeah, massive cars and like a thousand motorcycles, and so I'm at his compound, and we just you know, hanging out and we're shooting his show and he's telling me about it. And I'm like, Hmm. And I, I met his car guys, the ones that go out and get him whatever he's, he's looking for. And they're like, Hey, if you're ever in the market for a particular kind of classic car, whatever, let me know. And I, at the time, uh, I wanted to get something nice for my, my girlfriend for her birth, not for her birthday, but uh, for Christmas. And so I says, Hey, well, you know, my girlfriend's first car was a Trans Am, you know, particular year 79. I says, Hey, you guys think uh, you can, you can find one. Man, they found that car so fast and in such great shape. And they're friends with Burt Reynolds. They were friends with Burt Reynolds, so they had him autograph the the visor. So I mean, it was just it was so cool. Trans Am, like the smoking the bandit style. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love that car, bro. And so they're like, well, if you ever want to, uh, you know, any anything else, just give us a call. And I'm like, well, shoot, why should my girlfriend be the only one with her first car? So I said, let me try to get my first car back. And uh, well, not the actual car itself, but the you know the the, the kind of car. And so I said, hey, if, if you guys you know, run into a Volkswagen and I gave him the specifics and like in two days they had the car and I'm like sold. And they're like, if you ever want another one, I said, well, if you happen to run into one and then they call me back, we got this one. And I'm like, oh my God. And then I said, okay, well, if you run into something else, let me know. And they're like, we got this one. And I literally built this collection in about three years. Wow. And now, That's now I got a guy who's the king of restoration. His name is uh, Henry Marchana and he does uh does all Volkswagens. That's his thing. And so you tell him what, what body style, you tell him what color, and you tell him uh, when you'd like it. And, and you cross your fingers and then, you know, you see what happens. But he's he's incredible. And so everything is custom made made to order. Yeah, it takes a long time to restore a car. I had a, a I'm a huge like, Impala guy, you know, so I love I have a 63 Impala SS convertible that uh, there was the first car that me and Eddie ever came, came out on um, um, WWE with, the very first one. And uh, John Cena had bought it. And then when um, Eddie passed away, Cena had uh, he gave me the keys. I'm like, are you kidding me? <clears throat> so I had a completely, you know, frame off restoration, you know, the, you know, engine built 700R racing tranny in it. But it takes a while, a while to, to restore a car. It's not like you do, do it in two months, you know. It's like we look in a year plus. You know what the problem is, is that people watch those shows like the Pimp My Rides and <clears throat> they, see, they see that, oh, it, the car shows up and it's a mess and then they go to lunch and they come back and it's all pimped out. Look what we did. And that's not really the way it is. It's, you know, it takes a long time. You know, they can they can make TV magic and look, it's all pimped out, but you try to drive it out and that's not the case. It takes, uh, I, I, I got a friend who, uh, it took, five years to get his Impala to where he, he, he has it now, where it started off as just rust. And now it's like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a long time, man, for sure. And you got, and then people, you know, you got to get the right 
restorer because they still sit on them, you know, and then sometimes they have, you know, 30 cars that they're working on. So yours is over there getting dust and, you know, they'll do something to it, but then they're working on somebody else. And it takes a while. It really, really does. Mine took about, about three and a half years, but I had it in El Paso at first and, you know, they just kind of sat on it for a long time. So finally I picked it up and took it to um, Bowtie Connections up here in, uh, in LA, uh, John Kennedy. And in a year he had it, he had it done in a year. I had to stay on his ass, but he, he had it done in a year, man. It came out great. Guys, you got to stay on their ass because they'll, they'll take on more clients. Oh, yeah. More clients and, man, oh, man, they, 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 uh, they stretch the truth. Yeah, give me two weeks. I got it. And then a month later, they're like, look, I'm waiting for a part. I'm just waiting for a part. Well, what happened? I was discontinued. They all, they've got 20 different uh, <laughs> lines for you. Bro, I have what is the same thing. So literally, <clears throat> he's, I was, you know, on him, you know, I was, he was, he was probably getting the DDP moment, you know, when he'd be, you know, eating lunch and he'd see my call like, oh, Chavo again, gosh, you know, okay. So he literally told me one time, come on down. I was, I was on him, on him, on him. He goes, oh, come on down. It'll be ready. I went down from Orange County to Los Angeles. I went there and it wasn't even ready. I'm like, dude, you just told me to come down here. Like it's ready to go and it's not ready to go. We're like, we're probably two months out still. And he's like, well, you were on me all the time. I'm like, well, don't lie to me. Just tell me. I want to drive down here. I was expecting to drive off in this thing. You know, that's, that's, that's the restoration game right there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The hustle. They're, they got the hustle going on too, you know, they'll start it and they'll, they'll start out, uh, they'll come out swinging. So like, you know, I had one guy who, uh, who did my upholstery and, uh, you know, in the, within the first couple of days, he's already got the fabrics. He's like, and this is going to happen here. And he's showing me and I'm like, wow, this guy's moving quick. And in the end, someone had to finish his work. So, uh, yeah, that happens. It happened in high school. So we were, I had a, a um, my first car was a, 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 a Porsche, a Porsche 924, the little, you know, the little poor man <laughs> Porsche. Right. But, you know, I had, a, got it for, you know, $3,000, you know, I had, it, you know, kind of, you know, done up, you know, I went to Craig and Auto Parts, you know, and put the little, you know, the little gimmicks, seat covers, sheepskin seat covers and all the stuff on it, you know, and had it, had it, you know, done my style. Well, my other buddy, his dad worked on, on Porsche. So he had a huge Porsche um, garage full of just parts. So my buddy was a big surfer and he had his VW bus. But his VW bus was all Porsche out. Like it had Porsche rims, you know, it had, uh, um, he put up, you know, Porsche, I don't know, whatever kind of engine he put in it, you know, he took out the 1635 or whatever he had in there and <clears throat> put in, you know, some kind of little Porsche engine in there, you know, and it was all, you know, kind of plug and play. And man, this, this thing moved. So we would race, you know, my little 924 and his, his big old VW bus. And he beat me sometimes. That's how fast his bus was, man. It was awesome. That's uh, trick them out in, in ways where um, either it's that engine that you pimp out or you just put a completely different type of uh, engine in it. Like I have a bus right now. It's a 74 and uh, they call it the pancake engine. So it's, it's not air cooled, it's water cooled and it's, it's more, more modern, but I'm having that engine taken out and I'm putting a Subaru engine in it. Oh yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's gonna, it's, <laughs> It's they, do those, they do those with vanagans. Like my brother-in-law used to have a, a shop back in the day, but his he would get like the old. There's a big the the VW vanagans. You know, there's a 
uh, a big market for those, or there was for a long time, he would get those and put in like a Subaru engine in there and sell them off. And they would sell for, for a ton, man. So I'm waiting for my Subaru engine to come back again. You know, I thought it was going to be like, oh, let's just put it in and I'll drive it out of there. The guy's like, yeah, no, it's going to take about three months. And I'm like, <laughs> all right. And what's your favorite year of your uh, uh, man? Uh, mine is a 68 because that was the year of my first Volkswagen bus. 1968 uh, Bay Window. It's a completely different style because <clears throat> most of these buses, they got that widow's peak split yep. window. But, you know, the uh, 20, there, there's uh, third, uh, what is it, 11, 13, 15, uh, 21, 23. And then there's the following year, which is the 68. And that's the one that's a big, just a big windshield. And, you know, it looks it looks very different. But that's that's my favorite year. It's uh, most fun to drive. Well, I remember in high school, those things were, you know, you'd pick them up for <clears throat> 700 bucks. Yeah, for nothing. And now, bro, there's, you get them restored. They're, they're $100,000 cars. Yeah, uh, the year cutoff is 1967. So if it's uh, 1967 and you know below, that's you know you're talking collector car. '68, uh, like the one that I got. I mean, it looks nice and everything, but the value is dramatic. You know. Oh really? Seven. The pimp. Oh, one of the pimped out ones I got. You could probably get about 150 for it. 150 thousand dollars for it, and then the '68, uh, maybe 30. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. The same immaculate condition where it's the same paint and everything. And that's crazy. That's crazy. My uh, one of the first cars that uh, I made out with a girl in was a VW bus. My buddy, Mark Hawks, growing up, a good friend of mine back in the day, he had um, the bus that was um, just the just the front two windows and the driver windows, but nothing on the, you know, the sides, just total, you know, metal, whatever. So he had kind of, you know, primered it and stuff and, I remember going out, me and him and his girlfriend and her girlfriend, and we were all kind of hanging out, and that was it, man. Make make our session in the back of that that bus, man. Good, good times, bro. But those, man, those. I tell you, man, I, I they're. I used to think that they were big. I look at them now; they're they're small. Like I see them on the road, and I'll come next to them. Like gosh, like I'm in my truck. I'm almost higher than that. Yeah, they're 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 small. They're they're very very uh, they're cozy. All these things, they're cozy. And, yeah, yeah, uh, man. You know, I'm a big dude, so it's like you know I had to modify it a little bit with the steering wheel. Otherwise, I got that sucker like right right up here trying to drive. Look like a cartoon. <laughs> they're cozy. The, yeah, the I saw, yeah, I love them, man. I just saw one the other day where I was camping. Um, you know, I RV. I, I glamp. I don't camp. I do the the glamping thing. You know, and. Uh, there was one the other day and it was, I think it was a lot of custom because it had, you know, the top and it was a, a video, video bus, like, like an old school bus. I don't know what the year it was, but man, the top, it popped up camper style, like to the side, not from the front to the back, but to the side. And I was looking, I was like, wow, that's, I was just looking at it. Like, I've never seen one like that. I don't know if it was very custom, you know, very cool. I'm all about the glamping life. I used to camp as a kid. <clears throat> I think that's because I was the only option. Was uh, yeah. we're, you know, we're not going to use electricity. We're, not- Mommy, we're going on vacation. All right, cool. What are we doing? We're going to go camp with that tent in the park. <laughs> I'd have one of those uh, Goodwill sleeping bags. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Already had one too many miles on it. The zipper would barely go up halfway, and you kind of, you know, you had to make your own little burrito of yourself in there. Uh, you'd wake up and you'd have all these 
bites on your face from the sanculos and whatever yeah. got itself near you. That's yeah, man. So I, we, I grew up camping a little bit. My wife did a lot more, but you know, she wanted to do some camping stuff. And I'm like, I, I can't come off the road for, you know, 10 days and go sleep in a tent. I, I, I need a bed. I need my bed. I need something. So we settled and went bought a, you know, a nice little RV and, and we still got it to this day. And, um, man, that's, you know, I'll go out by the fire and hang out and drink beers, play horseshoes. And then everybody's going to bed. I'm like, all right, I'm going inside. I'm going to take a hot shower and put on a DVD and make a cappuccino and <laughs> sit on my Sealy mattress, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm done with dealing with rocks and, uh, <laughs> and bags on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. She's going to cook some cookies inside, you know, she's going to bake some cookies for me right now, you know? So yeah, I, I can't do that stuff anymore. What do you do outside of, being Gabriel Iglesias for your uh, hobbies. Well, you know what? For the longest time, I didn't, uh, I didn't really do a whole lot. I'd come home, you know, from the road, and I was averaging forty-six weeks out of the year. And so, I'd come home, you know, I go out on the weekends, do my thing Thursday through Sunday, and then come home three days, and then basically, you know, that two of those days are travel days. So you actually only really have one day where you can just be like, well, let me see what I'm going to do. And I, I just chose to spend it chilling at the house. I really never took vacations. This is the most time I've ever had to myself to just do something outside of standup. Um, so, I mean, I've never gotten this much sleep, which is pretty cool. I, I've like, wow, like, you know, look at that. Yeah, you know, yeah. Heck yeah, man. So uh, I just spending a lot of time with my dogs. Uh, I started selling uh, Funko figures. You guys yeah, I saw that. Little monitos. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I, saw, I read that when you, uh, they didn't want to invest in you, right? And you kind of did it yourself and sold a shitload of them. And they're like, oh, I guess we were wrong. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where uh, I, I saw that it was the, the popular toy to have. And I'm like, you know what? I already sell merch. You know, I got a really good merch thing going when I go on the road. I got, you know, you, you know how it is. You get t-shirts, hats, stickers, keychains, you know, bobbleheads. There's, there's the standard stuff. And I says, hey, I, that should be part of my merch line. And so we called them up and they're like, Gabriel who? And I'm trying to explain. I go, look, you know, and they're like, well, we never heard of you. And I'm like, I understand that. But look, I have a really strong following. Look at my social media. Look at my numbers on the road. And, you know, can we do something? And they're like, ah, comics, we're just, you know, you're not really a, a thing. And so I'm like, really? So they said no. And then we tried back again, like three years later. And uh, we were very persistent. And we're like, look, you're missing the boat on this one. Trust me. And they basically said, uh, look, okay, we see, we know who you are now, but we still don't think it's something that we want to carry. However, if you want to spend money, we'll produce the product for you and then you can sell it, but we're not going to take on the, the, the cost. And so I'm like, okay, cool. And they're like, all right, out the gate, you got to order, you know, blah, 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 which was a basically a semi worth of uh, those monos. And I was like, all right, I'm in. And they're like, what? Oh yeah, let's do it. And it, it took me a little less than a year, but we sold out and then I ordered another semi truck full and now it's different. Now it's like, well, you want to do something else? Let's, 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 let's play. And so, uh, because of the, the fact that I was the first comic to do it, I got the actual, the number one on the box, which I, that forgot because it was like, all right, cool. We, we broke it. And now other comics started jumping on board and they see that, okay, com comics are, you know, are, can be part of this. But those huge, well, those, I didn't realize the, the collectors for those Funko Pops, you know, I have mine that, that I have this 
people in, in um, UK that produce mine. And dude, they they go like crazy. Any autograph session I go, if I have some there, they go and they go for big dollars, man. People spend that money. You sign it, bro. They're like, I was amazed. I was like, wow, this is, I didn't really know, but that's it's huge true. market. It's so, uh, you can't even put words to it, man. It's like, we were at Comic-Con and uh, they had this exclusive figure that you could only get there. It was basically like a Star Wars Red Sith uh, character, right? And uh, I pulled one and I think it cost 15 bucks when I bought it. And right now it's worth 1500. Wow. Yeah, and I'm like, are you serious? Like you can download an app, a Funko app, scan the back of the box and it tells you the street value of what the mono's worth, which is insane. Collectors are just, it's its through the roof. It's a whole different world of collectors. Yeah, it's crazy. I have one that uh, they were giving us in Glow, and it's um, Allison Bree, and she's doing uh, Zoya, you know? So I have one of that. It's signed, and, and like, I that just sits on, my, uh, on my, my desk, but I bet you that thing's worth some money, man. I bet. Yeah, anytime they're autographed, that's that's a whole nother level right there. But Why don't you have your own car show? You know what? Uh, I... I probably could. I, I thought about doing something with the Peterson Museum. Yeah. Or the LA Auto Show. It's just one of those things where uh, having the time to do it. But now I have the time to do it, but nobody's doing anything. So it's not like, you know, it's like, hey, but the whole planet got shut down. So yeah, okay. So everybody that we've contacted about wanting to do something with the cars is like, yeah, let's let's talk about next year. Let's uh, Let's revisit this later. But uh, I got I got something coming up in the works, uh, possibly with Hot Wheels. So nice. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna burn it right now, but I'll just I'll just say that, that we're talking, and there's no harm in yeah. talking. Bro, I mean, just car shows are huge. You know, people that that are crossover. Like I love you know any building show, but any like cool cars like that. But a Fluffy's Garage, that's a no-brainer, bro. That's that's a hit. People are listening. Fluffy's Garage, we're all over that. No, Jay, Jay Leno, don't get mad. Don't get mad because it's Jay Leno's garage. So just Jay Leno's garage. Well, you know, Jay Leno's on a different level. That's he's on a different level. Like I remember seeing MTV Cribs one time, and uh, you know they were showing you know some rappers and stuff, and then all of a sudden they showed Wayne Newton's house in in Vegas, and he was like, okay, this is well, this is the one of the first Rolls Royces ever produced. They only made you know, X amount, there's only four left and blah, blah. And I was like, total different level. Like he had a, a napkin that was signed from uh, um, Elvis that he, Elvis was just jot, like, like writing stuff down on a hotel napkin, you know, in his room and stuff. And, and I was like, okay, this guy's this different, complete level. This is my crystal staircase. And I was like, holy shit, you know, he's in Vegas and he's, Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's in Vegas, bro, and he's got penguins. He's got penguins in, in a pool in Vegas, outside. And you got rappers that are, you know, like, you know, oh, yeah, well, this, you know, this is my grill, and, you know, this is my blah, 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 you know, my, my Lamborghini, and we're like, that's that ain't nothing compared to this dude, man. And then... How much was that? He's like, hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You look, and then, like, Jay Leno's just on a completely different level. I mean, his stuff is just phew, outrageous, you know? Hey man, so we the very last thing on on uh, suplexes and cervezas that we do is also is always like a uh, a rapid fire question things. Oh shoot, I'm done. Yeah, real quick, you know, and just kind of I kind of uh, you know, there's no right or wrong answer, just kind of what you like and what you don't like, and see what your fans uh, 
uh, can relate to see what you like more. So, you ready? Let's do it. Uh, are you a dog or cat guy? Dog. Dogs, nice. Hey, this? Look at, I got, I got two dogs. I, the entire time we've been talking, I got a dog right behind me. Ven pa'ca. Vinny, come here. Mm-hmm. Got two chihuahua, come here, up. He's been behind me the whole time. No, mamas, bro. I thought you were just in a pillow behind you. Oh, like dude. A pillow. Your little pillow. Look at that. What's his, what's his name? Uh, this is Vinny. Vinny. Que onda, Vinny? Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's super, super chill dog. Uh, I have another one that's a complete opposite. Her name is Risa, and she is uh, part Wolverine. Really? Yeah, This she's, she's a 15-year-old teacup chihuahua. She's tiny. <laughs> Wolverine just bark at everybody, right? This this thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she'll. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. No, because she's like, who's messing with my sleep? You look she's at that. Like, That's awesome, dude. Yeah, you know what's funny with dogs? They like, like my dog, like season to my soul, man. Yeah, they know they know what's up, man. This. Uh, I I, uh, I did a, a show, uh, an animal show with Nickelodeon, and I got to cats. And man, cats are a different different vibe altogether. They look at you like like they're doing you a favor. The cats look at you like, "What are you doing in my space?" I got yeah. that. Please leave. Totally, totally. With dogs, man. Sometimes I look at my dog and I I'm kind of like, "What other animal, like, be, like relates so like so much to us?" You know, I know like man's best friend stuff, but I like think like God, He made a dog for us. Right. I mean, it literally like my dog just comes and sits right next to me and he can tell if you're mad, if you're angry and just right next to me. A cat. They're like, you know, if you're happy, they're like, fuck you. If you're, if you're, if you're sad, they're like, fuck you. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely dog guy. Hulk Hogan or Ric Flair? Ooh. Man. Wow. Um. I'm just I'm just gonna go based on 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 on, on who affected me the fir- first, and I'm gonna go with Hulk Hogan. But cool. that respect is real both both ways. Like I have a I have a bunch of Hulk Hogan memorabilia, and I have a bunch of I actually have a Ric Flair uh, mural at my building. Yeah, like an entire wall has Ric Flair on it, just painted by himself, and it says "Life is all about the woo." That's awesome, bro. I mean, it's so cool. I'm, I'm real good friends with Rick and uh, and Hulk too, but my wife. Uh, he, Rick loves my wife. Like every time he sees me when we were on the Jericho cruise, right away he went up to like, he pushed me aside and he's like, hey, Sherry. He goes to give her a big hug and he's like, you still with this guy over here? <laughs> you know, and, and uh, it's one of those things where Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair, people are always, uh, the, the more I, 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 and I shouldn't read all, all those chat rooms and all the different opinions, uh, you know, like, oh, who did more for the business? Who was more easy to work with? Who gave more? Who was willing to, you know, put this person over my, and it's like, you know, it kills it for the, just a regular fan. That's like, Oh, but they're the best. And you know, you start trying to break it down like that. And if you, if you go based on all that, then you'll probably have a different opinion. But the first person that made me just go, wow, I love this. This is amazing. was Hulk Hogan. Yeah. You know, and their, their time growing, you know, when they were, I guess it's still to this day, you know, but you're just trying to keep your spot. So back then you're just, you know, it's cutthroat, you know, you're trying to, you know, stay on top. If you're hurt, then they're going to put somebody else in your spot. And, you know, you're always just tr- trying to make it, you know, so 
I totally get what you're saying, but like Hulk Hogan, you know, he did his thing. Ric Flair did his thing. And I love now that everybody's, we're all kind of out of the business. It's not like our, our main thing anymore. So that I see the real people now. Now it's like, okay, I can hang out with, with, with Hogan and have a beer with him or have a martini with Rick. And, you know, it's cool. It's not a uh, uh, who's trying to get over on the other person. It's like, you guys can just be chill. It's not about being wor uh, work or being competitive. No politics anymore. It's right there. It's straight up. Just the boys hanging out, you know. Were you a DX or NWO fan? You know, I was, uh, I was more NWO. NWO. Early NWO, right? Before they got like 18,000 members, right? When Virgil is wearing an NWO shirt, yes, I pasaron. That's it. <laughs> I was exactly. I'm like, really? <laughs> exactly. And that's what, that's what DX did right is that they only kept the same members all the time. Nobody else kind of really came in or whatever. But that first NWO, the Wolf, like before the Wolf, they went to the Wolf Pack, but it, when it was just, you know, Hall, Nash, X-Pac. You're the four, sorry. And then, of course, X-Pac, that, that fool got the best of both worlds. I know, right? I you know, know. I'm like, how do you decide which one you're going to be part of? Like, if he's the only one. That's true, for sure. Uh, when you eat tacos, are you a soft shell or hard shell? Man, hard shell tacos aren't tacos. That's that's something that was created after the fact. That's, a, that's Del Taco Taco Bell or whatever other, you know, hole-in-the-wall taco place. A real taco is soft. Soft shell. Well, that's what I, I see now. Everybody like, oh, we have, you know, Subway. We have a wrap. We have these new wraps. I go, wrap? No, mom is wrap. Anything that's Mexican. If it's, it's a tortilla, if it's folded, it's a taco. If it's rolled, it's a burrito. No wrap. <laughs> uh, are you an In-N-Out fan or a Whataburger? Okay, uh, California. So I'm a, ooh, I, I've actually had this discussion many, many times. Uh, I'm a California guy. So for that reason, I'm an In-N-Out guy. Uh, when I'm in Texas or, uh, you know, anywhere else that they have Whataburger, I'm a Whataburger guy. Now, San Antonio has now an In-N-Out and a Whataburger, so that's a, that's a tough one. Depends on the time of day because you can get breakfast at Whataburger and then Whataburger's open super late. I think actually they're 24 hours, aren't they? So, yeah, so, yeah, Whataburger. Yeah, Whataburger. You got more options at Whataburger. So, I mean, if, if it's just a straight-up lunch, In-N-Out, but rest of the day, Whataburger. Uh, yeah. It's hard to beat a double-double, right? It's hard to beat a double-double from In-N-Out, from anywhere. I mean, that's, it's just, it is what it is, right? If you're California, you're In-N-Out. If you're Texas, you're Whataburger, right? It will never get settled. Never get settled. I agree. You know, same thing with like, you know, Mexican food or Tex-Mex. Anytime you're dealing with those two, it's like, God. Uh, They're both awesome. I mean, I'm the same way. Like, I love, I love the Tex-Mex, but then at the same time, I love straight up, straight, you know, Mexican with the lard and the beans. So that's 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 my jam and then you throw in some uh, like baja baja mex oh that's good too bro you know damn mexican food it's got to be so good <laughs> hungry are you a blonde or brunette i don't think i've ever been blonde uh i mean like that and they're like ooh, my it's, it's always been brunette Brunette. i guess maybe because I, I felt i never could have a blonde unless it was a mexican girl who dyed her hair the with the bleach like the like the sun in and shit like the <laughs> Stallone or Arnold 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 Schwarzenegger but uh I would love to very much meet Stallone but I mean I'm, I'm a huge fan of man you're asking some good ones these are some good ones I, I put a little little research into it you know 
Now, being a comic, you may have a different opinion because you're in the business, but you know, me being not in that business, it's, it's hard for me to, to pick on this ones, but is it Eddie Murphy or Dave Chappelle? You know what? Uh, very well. I mean, Eddie Murphy was a, one of the comics that inspired me to become a comic. So for that, I got to give it to, to Eddie. But currently, man, I can't get enough of Chappelle. Uh, huge fan. Respect everything. He, you know, his work. It's just it's incredible. Uh, you know, he's a modern day prior, basically. Yeah. yeah you know, and so and depending on whoever I'm interviewing and their either, you know, age and stuff, my, I'll ask either Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy or you know, Ray Murphy, Dave Chappelle, but Chappelle is so like, he's so smart. Like his comic, his com comedian, whatever you want to get his intelligence. It's on a different level. He talks things and, and turns it into it's funny, but it's like, he gets away with a lot of things that, that a normal person can't get away with, you know, very well informed. And he knows how to use his words. Cause there's, you know, there's some people that are smart and then there's people that sound smart that right. aren't smart. they just throw big words out there to try to you know i have an extensive vernacular like just because yeah. you said it doesn't make you smarter but you yeah. said it well, oh he said vernacular <laughs> some people that are smart and there's some that sound smart and then there's some that are smart enough to know that that's not my lane like me i would never try to go into talking about any of the things that Chappelle talks about because i don't i'm not I'm, first of all i'm not uh i can't retain enough information i can't uh I'm not informed enough and I don't, I wouldn't know how to deliver it the way he does. Uh, so I would just, Hey, let me just stick to my thing. I'll tell some stories, you know, I'll keep it safe. People say, well, Gabriel's show isn't edgy or whatever. I'm like, not, no, it's a, you know, it's a friendly show. So I'm, I like to keep it that way. Yeah. You got, you, you do what you do. That's your style. You got your style and it's good. You got to be you, you know, it's funny to see Chappelle, how he from younger Chappelle to Chappelle. Now they just evolved, you know, totally different. Old school or Dumb and Dumber? Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and dumb. Dumb. I remember uh, old school was good, but Dumb and Dumber just made me cry. It made me cry. It was so funny. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, last one, Patron or Don Julio? Patron. Patron. Yeah. Unless, unless we run out of Patron, and then it's like I'll, I'll drink battery acid if it'll get me buzzed. I know, I know. Hey, we never had a, a tequila shot on, on the Jericho cruise. I was uh, doing my thing, you're doing your thing, but uh, one of these times we gotta we gotta get together and have a little, uh, I'll bring over some uh, of my beer, my Los Guerreros uh, Mexican lager. Have you? I've never had Mexican lager. My, my have, I have my own beer out. Oh, shoot. Yeah, it's freaking phenomenal, bro. It's a, it's a Mexican lager, like, you know, a Dos Equis or a, you know, a Modelo type style, but it's, you know, uh, brewed uh, a Loster Brewing Company over there in West Covina, and they're it's it's craft brew. So man, I'll put it up against any Mexican lager out there. You name it, I'm gonna I'm when we get done. I'm gonna have them send you some some over there to your place. All right. Well, West Covina is only like 35, 40 minutes away. Just saying. <laughs> uh, bro, and they have a phenomenal beers. All their beers are phenomenal, but their uh, Los Guerreros Los Guerreros Mexican lager is. It's the shit, bro. <laughs> hey, thank you, man, for taking time out and uh, your biggest busy schedule to talk with me and uh, on my quarantine, get me through it. Cause I started talking to you at 6 a.m. here. I feel like I got to put my hand up against the, the screen and be like, I'm going to put some money on your books. 
Okay? Tell them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell them you miss them. <laughs> exactly, bro. I'm over here watching that fruit uh, age on the counter. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. That's all I got, man. Look at it's total white back. Usually I have a you know, virtual background and shit at home, you know, and here I'm like, fuck it, I'm good. <laughs> if you get a chance to eat at this restaurant called Spice Temple, uh, they're in Australia. They got a couple. A couple of those, uh, Spice Temple. Spice Temple. And you want, okay. the, you want the, the, the chicken wings. Oh, it's shit, okay. Spicy chicken wings. It's, um, yeah, my favorite restaurant in Australia. Really? How many times have you been down here? You've been down here a lot? Many times, yeah. Uh, pie face late at night. If you want to get your fix, they got those uh, the pies and they'll put the the mashed peas and just oh yeah yeah, it's the uh, meat pies or whatever they're called, right? So pie face. Okay, I'll try that for sure, brother. Thank you again, man, for taking time out of your schedule, and uh, we'll be looking for you. Where can anybody find you? What are you doing right now? What can they what can they see you on your social media and stuff? You can find me at Jack in the Box. <laughs> <laughs> That's my routine right now. I gotta go get a check in the box drive-thru. Uh, I'm not I'm not performing right now, so I'm, I'm waiting for the quarantine to be over and I'll, I'll go I'll start hitting the road again. But uh yeah, I'm I'm semi-retired until uh until we can go back to uh you know performing in clubs and theaters and arenas. So I'm right now right. just if you wanna follow me, go to Fluffy Guy. That it covers everything. Check out his Funko Pops, check out all of his specials all over cable and streaming networks and brother I appreciate you again and viva la raza Got nothing to lose, so I go for broke. I hope you got the memo that I ain't no joke.